Dear Jesus, thank you for being commander. Thank you for being the word. And thank you for being the rock. God, sometimes I don't really get what that means, what it means to have water come from a rock and how that applies to you and me. So today, God, I open my heart and I just trust that you will take your word and blossom it. Take it as a seed is planted in the ground and watered uh, with faith through the Holy Spirit that you will blossom more faith in me and more reliance upon you. As I study the word today and look for connections today between the worlds of the New Testament and the Old Testament, Jesus' time when he was walking around in the flesh and Jesus' time when he was walking around in a different way and acting and being active in the lives of people who trusted him. I ask that you take that uh, connection that is formed between the two and use it to grow faith in me. In your name we pray and together we say, Amen and amen. All right. Well, and we've been talking about, of course, the Old Testament and the way in which Jesus manifested himself there. Uh, Jesus did not, as has been said, simply appear at the first Christmas as if God was trying to do some sort of plan B or damage control. Jesus has always been in the works. And in fact, the Bible says in the very beginning he was there, that he was the one who created things. And in him, all things hold together because everything was created by him and what? For him. So Jesus is the one naturally who holds all things together because he was the general contractor. We've talked about how he fights for us and he goes before us and he stands between us and obstacles in life that could be very difficult for us to face alone. And in those moments, we face him and we face the question, am I going to trust God in this situation and see it come through the way he wants it to? Not necessarily the way I ask it to, to come through, but the way that he wants it to. And in most cases, I find that to be a great blessing when I trust him with the outcome of that situation. Well, in today's story, we're talking about uh, time a little bit before Joshua. You know, we talked about Joshua and the walls of Jericho falling last week. Now, this is a little bit before that story where we're still talking about the leadership of Moses. And you would have heard the reason why in the reading today that Joshua took the children of Israel into the promised land, into Canaan, instead of Moses. That situation that was read in the scripture was the reason why Moses did not lead Israel into the promised land. The reason was almost a technicality. Because what happened was, God basically said to Moses, you go to this rock. By the way, this was the second rock that Moses was called to approach. And God said, go to this rock and speak to it. And when you speak to the rock, what's going to happen? Water's going to come out and you're going to be able to drink and feed your livestock and family and kids and such. What did Moses do instead? He didn't just talk to the rock. He massaged the rock with the staff. He hit it twice and then water came out. And as a result of that, the Bible says Moses was kept from leading Israel into the promised land. Seems like a technicality almost, right? But God's integrity requires that his perfect word be kept to the letter, that the law be observed down to the last minute detail, that every T that's crossed and every I that's dotted be perfect without any wavering, without any question, without any 
uh, changing of the rules. And that's why we have Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who can do that. We're going to talk about him today as the rock, as the one who appeared to the kingdom of Israel as they were walking around, having experienced the desert for some period of time. And even though they had seen the miracles, even though they had seen the proof, they were beginning to doubt and beginning to waver, probably because they were tired, hungry, and strung out for years and years and years. And then God provides miraculously, not once, but twice, water flowing miraculously from a rock. The major difference between the first and the second time is that Moses was actually instructed to hit the rock the first time in a different place. And then the second time he was instructed to speak to the rock and he went back to his old habit and hit the rock not once but twice. And we know what happened as a result of that. Joshua was the one who led the kingdom of Israel into the promised land. But what I want to do today is I want to stretch your faith a little bit by appealing to the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. Now, why are we talking about the woman at the well while we're talking about Moses hitting rocks? For me, quite honestly, I felt like the Holy Spirit just dropped this story on me as I was preparing for this morning so that we could look at some connections and find some similarities in character between the way God operated with Moses through Jesus, we understand, and the way Jesus operated with the woman at the well. So what I would ask you to do is open your mind and open your heart a little bit and explore a little bit with me the character of God as we look at these two stories together. What I want to show you is back in our reading in Numbers 20, starting in verse 4, a series of interactions that happen between the people and between God. This is what Numbers says is, why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? This is the children of Israel questioning Moses after being out in the desert for some time. Verse five, why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? Now, why are they referencing Egypt? Because in Egypt, they were slaves, right? And God liberated them, but brought them out into the desert. So they began to question that decision and began to grumble and say, why couldn't we just go back to the way things were? Let's go back to being slaves because when we were slaves, at least we had something to drink. Out here in the desert, we got nothing. Back in Egypt, we at least had water. They began to think of themselves in the past tense. They began to look in themselves before faith and covet what they were before God came along into their lives. Do you ever have that experience? Do you ever question yourself along the way when you run into difficulty and begin to think, you know what, if I just went back to the way it was before I dealt with all this God stuff, things would be simpler. If you've ever done that before, you're not alone. The children of Israel did that and they began to make a habit of it. Here's what the parallel ends up being in John chapter four with the story of the woman of the well. In John chapter four and verse 10, Jesus answered the woman. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, what was it Jesus was answering? He was answering her question. Her question to him was, I'm a Samaritan woman 
you're not supposed to talk to Samaritans because we're unclean, Jesus. And you're also not, to, not supposed to talk to women because the law forbids it. You're not supposed to do either of those things. So why is it you're asking me for water? Why couldn't you just get the water yourself, in other words? And that was Jesus' response. His response had to do with living water. Now let's take another look at this a little bit more deeply. Um, the, the woman answers him this way. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? What you're going to find in the parallels of these two stories is you're going to find physical circumstances around the people of God that are causing them to question their faith. And what you're finding is that God is using the physical circumstance to teach them something spiritual. He's using the physical circumstances, the needs they have, in this case for water, in both circumstances, Old Testament and New. He's using the circumstance, Old Testament and New, to teach all people across all time about his character and about the way the spiritual world works from God's point of view. It works in the form of provision, God providing, and us receiving. Take a look a little bit further in this story with me. You may remember the story from John 4 where they're sitting there and of course Jesus asked her for water. She ends up giving him the water. She's questioning him about the water and he's teaching her about a different kind of water. While he's drinking the water she gave him. The kind of water she's teaching him or he's teaching her about is living water. He's going to teach us about that as well. If you go back to Numbers 20 and verse 7, the Lord had said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the whole assembly together, speak to the rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. He told them what he wanted them to do. God told them what he wanted them to do. Simply speak to the rock. And when you do that, it's going to provide for you the physical thing that you need, right? It will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. Flip back over to the woman at the well in John 4 and 10. Jesus answered her again. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. God is after conversation with you, not transaction with you. God knows what you need. He already knew what you need before you asked for it. What he wants more from you is not simply to ask him for what you need, but to have conversation with him around what you need and to trust him for what he will provide for what you need. You see, this is a little bit of a stretch, so bear with me. The idea becomes that spiritual water, living water, is God's spirit, his presence, that he pours out liberally to us. Not where the rock in the desert trickled water out and people had to fight over the scarcity of the water that was trickling out, but the rock in the desert produced water in what way? Gushing, flowing where animals and people alike could go up and drink. The Holy Spirit produces faith in the same way. 
God pours himself out to you and me in abundance. And as he does that, what he creates in us is faith, faith that we will have our needs met in him. What he calls us for is, it calls us forward into is trust in that. But what I want you to see in this story is that there's an abundance of outpouring that's happening. God is pouring himself out abundantly. And as he does that, he's providing and meeting our needs. God doesn't work with leftovers. God leads with provision and with care. And he does it in an abundant way. If you look back at the story one more time and listen to one more interaction between them, look at Numbers 20, 11. Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff and water gushed out in abundance and the community and their livestock drank. Jesus answers the woman again in John chapter four. Anyone who drinks this water, the physical water in front of you meeting your needs in this moment will do what? They will be thirsty again and they'll have to come back to that physical provision again. We all have to eat multiple times a day. We all have to sleep every day. We all have to drink water or something every day. We have rhythms in life that respond to our physical needs. Why would we treat spirituality any differently? Spiritual needs are just as daily as they are, as physical needs are. We need to come to the source of our spiritual water and drink as often as we do our physical water and our physical food and the beds in which we sleep. We need to rely upon the God who pours himself out abundantly through Jesus to feed our souls and our spirits as often as we take a drink as often as we eat a bite of food, habitually, rhythmically, just every day, day in and day out. This is the kind of relationship God wanted with the children of Israel in the first place. But what was their problem? Their problem was they looked at other gods for that provision and he let them have it and they starved and they were thirsty. And when they returned back to their God, the one true God, then they could go and hit a rock and a river would flow out. It's as if God was letting them get dry so that when he poured out his abundance on them, they were overwhelmed by his grace. Does that sound like somebody else? Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? See, we make the contention today, we submit this today that Jesus is that rock. But we're not going to sit back and say Jesus was the physical rock. What we're going to say is Jesus, who made that rock, told that rock to gush out water. Where if you know anything about geology at all, you can't just simply look at a plain old rock and expect water to come out of it, right? What Jesus was doing at that time was teaching the children of Israel about who he is. He's the one who made the rock in the first place. He's the one who made the water that came out of it. He's the one who made them to be thirsty for not having had any water wandering in the desert. And he's the one who set up that interaction between the children of Israel 
and the miraculous wa- uh, rock with water coming out of it. He allowed that dry spell to happen so that he could pour himself out in abundance. Now, doesn't that sound like Jesus who allows things to happen so that in those moments of utter depravity and dry spiritual uh, desert experiences, he can pour his abundance out upon us. In those moments, that's when we learn about the depth of his love. When we're dry and thirsty, when we need a drink, we need our needs met. But like the woman at the well, verse 15, she said this back to him, right? After the conversation had taken place, she still wasn't quite getting it as the children of Israel had, had trouble getting it as well. She says, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She wanted magical water so that she would never have to be thirsty again. She thought that Jesus was some kind of like spiritual vending machine. That if she drank this magical water, she would never have to be thirsty. But that wasn't the point. He'd already told her that if she drank this water, she was going to be thirsty again. She wasn't making the connection. Sometimes we don't either. Sometimes God provides for us and showers abundance upon us and we misinterpret it. Sometimes we think it's luck. Sometimes we think it's us, that we're doing well, and that we somehow have provided for ourselves. Sometimes we think it's just the circumstances of life and that we happen to uh, turn up on the right side of things. But in all circumstances, Jesus would say, remember how much I love you. And how I've allowed you to be here in this place in your life, whether things are dry or things are full and abundant from your point of view, I've allowed you to be here so that you can know me and know how much I love you and know how much I can and will pour myself out in abundance to you. Only at the asking. Simply receive what it is I have to give to you. I want to draw your attention to uh, something Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Look at this connection he makes. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they passed through the sea. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the children of Israel, the same ones that were drinking out of this miraculous rock, right? He says, they were baptized into Moses. In other words, they followed the leadership of Moses in the cloud and the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And he calls it out. It says, that rock was Christ. Paul is identifying in that moment that the very power behind the rock that gave them the water they needed to drink and gave them the manna and the quail from heaven to eat. That very same God is Jesus. And he calls him out by name. And it wasn't as if the rock got up and levitated and followed the children of Israel around, though that would be kind of cool. It wasn't like that. It was that Jesus was there with them no matter which rock they were talking to or hitting with a stick. No matter what the circumstance was, 
Jesus was there with them. And when they had a need, he was there. And when they strayed and went after other gods, he was there. And then when they came back to him in need, who was there? He was. He never left them. He never turned away from them because he knew that the power and the strength of God's provision in their life was not up to them. It was up to him. And that's both in the physical world and in the spiritual world. So here's what I want you to hear from this. The power of God in your life doesn't fall to you and your choices. You will experience the power of God as you trust in God and follow him, as you speak and ask him for what you need. But he will not withhold himself from you if you fail to do that. He is always there. He is always waiting. And he is always ready, willing, and able to demonstrate his abundance to you. Why? Not because you have performed the way you're supposed to, but because that's the way he is. So when he demonstrates himself as the rock in scripture, as Paul calls him out as the rock, what we don't want to see is Jesus is something that's hard and impenetrable. What we want to see is something that looks like it's not going to produce a miracle, but then does. Even when we don't ask, even when we're trying to beat the water out of the rock of life, he produces a miracle and shows his love. He shows his presence. He pays a bill that's due that we haven't been able to pay. He gets a job that we're not qualified for. He brings a relationship to bear between us and our spouse or our kids or our boss or our family. He creates a situation and a circumstance where faith grows where it wasn't before. This Explore God series coming up is an opportunity for us to see that kind of miraculous work happen. What we should not do as we go into explore God is believe for a moment that at anywhere along the way, we are responsible for bringing people into the kingdom of God by our power, by what we say to them or how we invite them to come to a group or to church. What we must accept and understand is that God will pour himself out into those situations and in fact, into the lives of those people who are far from him, he's already pouring himself out. We must understand that he will draw them. He will convert them. He will save them. He will change them. He will win them over. He will renew them and redeem them. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is simply to show up for them, to simply show up at the rock and let the water flow. And what is that water? What is that spiritual water that will flow through us to them? Jesus said this about uh, the spiritual water as he's teaching on earth. He said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as scripture has said, what scripture? 
the Old Testament scripture, right? As scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. He said by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This talks about the idea of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the first disciples and tongues of fire came out over their heads and they spoke how? in other tongues, in different languages. The Holy Spirit enabled them to speak in a way that wasn't a natural language for them. It was foreign to them. In the same way, the Holy Spirit pours out like water on you and me and through you and me. And if we are simply in the presence of people who are far from God, God will demonstrate to them how much he loves them in his way miraculously, perfectly, flawlessly, without us orchestrating the event. He will do it because he is God and he's in control of the flow of that Holy Spirit. Look at what it says in the Old Testament in the Psalms. I love this scripture. It, actually, this is in Acts and this is Peter quoting Joel. We'll look at a Psalm next. This is what, uh, this is what the scripture says quoted from Peter. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Sons and daughters will prophesy. That is speaking out the truth of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when a V or a Tony gets up and speaks the word of God and has a little bit of an interpretation based on what they've experienced in life, that is a form of prophesying. You're seeing that happen, aren't you? In real time. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Sometimes I see visions and sometimes I dream dreams. What does that make me? Sometimes I'm young. Sometimes I'm old. Maybe I'm just middle-aged in between, right? But God will pour his Holy Spirit out on all of us, the Bible says, even on my servants, men and women. I will pour my spirit out in those days and they will do what? Prophesy. They will share what it is that God has done in their life. They will be ready to give an answer for the faith they have. They will be there to serve coffee, donuts, a beer, a meal, or have a conversation with somebody who doesn't know how God works. And he will pour his spirit out. Not like a little trickle, but like a torrent like love in abundance. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says the abundant life. He doesn't say the scarce life or the life that's just squeaking by. He will pour it out like a wave. And do we believe that? Do we trust that? He will do it. This idea that God gives us what we need both in the physical world and in the spiritual world. It leads us to the idea that he will allow us to be thirsty and hungry, both physically and spiritually, so that he will meet our needs physically and spiritually, grows trust in us. That's the point of it. So that when you're hungriest and you have a great meal, you look back and say, wow, that meal was really great. But if you have a great meal after you've had a great meal, your perspective is not the same, is it?
It's not the same as when you're hungry. It's not the same as when you're thirsty. A cold, cool drink of water, even from a garden hose, after you've been parched all day long working in the sun, is like pure gold, isn't it? This is the way our souls encounter the living God. His name is Jesus. Look at this from the Psalms. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When can I go and meet God? There's an urgency. Let, when can I get to God? You know, when I first heard this psalm, I kind of laughed a little bit because I thought about the idea of deer pants. And I got really distracted. And God's like, don't miss the point. Remember the last time you were thirsty. Remember the last time you were hungry. And remember this, for your whole life, your soul will be just as hungry and just as thirsty. And I will be there in that moment. Anytime you hear a scripture and you are struggling spiritually, that is the voice of God speaking to you. Anytime you hear somebody give you a word of encouragement that is based on the word of God and you're down and out, that is the rock pouring out water on you. That is Jesus following you around, giving you what you need, providing for you, encouraging you, leading you, lifting you up, never missing an opportunity to be who he is, the rock that moves, the rock that travels, and the rock that is there for you right when you need him. You know, he didn't make the, king, uh, the kingdom of Israel, the children of Israel, wait another day. He went ahead and had Moses and Aaron take care of that rock business right away, didn't he? They got right down to it. And they did it at the very best possible time. God works that way. The next time you're spiritually hungry, thirsty, remember the deer pants. Remember that we hunger and that we thirst for him. And then that's okay, because as we do, he pours out on us such abundance. There's no one or nothing anywhere that can match who he is. He's unmatchable, perfect, and flawless. And he doesn't hold back. He pours all of himself out without holding any in reserve. I don't know about you, but I love and I worship a God who does that. Not only for me, but just for the sheer fact that he's just that amazing. And it happens to benefit me too, that he's that amazing. Think about all the people in your life who don't have him, who are wandering in the desert without him, who are dry and parched on the inside waiting for something to change their life. Those are the people that God has called you to be a part of their life 
so they can experience what abundance really means. Let's think and pray on that as we close. The idea that Jesus has always been and will always be about the business of pouring himself out in a great wave of love and provision and power and majesty. Do you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for that in your sovereignty, you follow us around, your subjects, those who will with all people one day bow before you and with every tongue confess that you are the living God. Thank you for following us around, accompanying us like the children of Israel, hanging out with us like the woman at the well, being present. Sometimes, God, I forget that you're there. And I think that I have to hit that rock with whatever staff I've been given in life until something miraculous comes out of it, water from dry ground. Sometimes I beat on that rock, God, and and I despair when nothing happens. And then I remember who you are. And I remember how you work, that you are the one who goes before me and it has called me by your sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and his rising from the dead to follow you in life every single day, not just when I need something, but all along. I thank you for being in my life, for being my life, and for filling me up with living water. I praise you and I glorify you because of who you are in this Christmas season and always. In your name we pray, and together we say, amen.